Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are listening to this. Uh, this is the latest Forever Blue podcast. Uh, I'm Ian Cheeseman, thanks very much for downloading and listening to this. We appreciate the support, of course, of charleslewy.co.uk, who are chartered mortgage advisors, who are the sponsors of this podcast. Thanks very much, guys. You want some uh, mortgage advice uh, in these difficult times, I suppose? Um, then they're the place to go. Have a look at the website, charleslewy.co.uk. Uh, you'll also find a phone number on there, so if you want to give them a call and get some personal advice with the person actually speaking to you, then uh, feel free to do that and mention Forever Blue, and no doubt they'll offer you a metaphorical cup of tea down the phone while they're speaking to you. That's how friendly they'll be. Uh, right, we've got, uh, or I've got three guests with me here at Tameside Radio, which is where we record the podcast. Thanks very much to, to the guys here at Tameside Radio for allowing this. Uh, the three guys today are Adam, who's a, a regular, Andy, who's a regular, well, in fact, they're all regulars, and Louisa, who was on last week as well. We've also got Will back in the corner today, so he might shout something out at some Hello. point. Um, and we'll be filming some little clips that you will no doubt see on YouTube. Now, before we start talking about the obvious things, which are the derby and the games going forward, I don't think we can ignore the sort of elephant in the room, if you like, which is the outbreak or the development of this coronavirus all around the place. Now, I don't think it's our place to or certainly not my place, you can say different if you want, uh, to comment on the rights and wrongs of the way that governments and people like that are dealing with it. I have my own views, and maybe that's for a different podcast. <laughs> but for, for this one, um, the, the question I want to ask you really is about the potential ways that football could be affected by this, and City in particular. Now, you can go down if you want to, and I'm not going to stop you, the tribal route of... Uh, ha 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 wouldn't it be funny if Liverpool were playing in front of empty stadiums <laughs> couldn't have their parade and all that personally um, I, I don't have a lot of joy in saying that and if that happens uh, as much as I'd much prefer City to be winning the league and having parades I don't begrudge Liverpool having their parade and winning and I sincerely hope that they're able to conclude their title winning season and have the celebrations that that deserves but it's up to you if you want to say other things you can um, but we're faced in a situation, it seems at the moment, where it's under consideration that games can either be played behind closed doors um, and shown on television, uh, maybe free to air, there's all that sort of connotation, or the league could be suspended. Uh, when it would then be played, I'm not quite sure. It could be completely cancelled. Um, you know, there, there might be just a scrubbing of the season. I don't really don't know how that would work, whether we'd resume in the summer, whether it would be next season... The FA Cup and the Champions League are two things that really matter to City, particularly the Champions League. If City beat Real Madrid and are drawn against Juventus, for example, in the next uh, round, does that mean it'll be played behind closed doors? Does that mean that City fans won't be able to see the game? Um, how will that affect the home game? There's all this sort of stuff. So I just wonder what your feelings are. Not about the coronavirus per se, but if it gets to the point where... It's possible that games could be played behind closed doors or cancelled altogether. Do you have a view on whether you'd prefer one or the other? And, and I'll throw into the mix, by the way, that in Italy they have been playing games behind closed doors and now there is a call from a lot of the players to actually cancel the fixtures. I heard a, there was an NBA player, I don't know which one it was, and forgive me for that, and if you're listening to this, screaming now, you should know this, and naming that player, I can't remember the name of the player, but the player said... If we're going to display this in empty facilities for the television, I don't want to play and I think we should just scrap it. Personally, 
if I don't see any point in playing behind closed doors. If the games can't be played for the coronavirus, then I think it should be scrapped. That's my view. What's your view? Well, um, it comes before everything. I think uh, safety and welfare of everybody, I think that's a given. So if that means we have to pause the season, I think that would create a bigger problem because we've got the Euros and they're coming in June. Personal point of view, I've paid thousands to go and watch Wales in the Euros already and I'm assuming that if anything's cancelled I'll be refunded. But um, given that it's spread over so many countries, I would prefer that they push the Euros back a season and allow then the domestic leagues an opportunity to finish with a delay. And that would allow the Champions League, because I think as well there's a commerciality around the Champions League and around the Premier League that there's going to be an awful lot of problems caused by games and, and competitions not happening. So I think that's going to be a factor. So the logical thing to do is to postpone, would be my opinion. And then everybody gets what they want out of it, whatever your outcome of the season was going to be. But that would mean that the Euros would have to suffer. And I think that I don't think there's anything planned for next season other than the UEFA Nations League, which is a a competition um, created to to have something in between the Euros and the World Cup. So sacrifice that, move it a year, um, and and simply allow the domestic leagues and competitions and the and the Champions League to to be fulfilled with with some latency. Would you be in favour of games behind closed doors? It's a last resort. Um, tend to think what's the point for the players or or the spectacle really I think it's probably just just being done to fulfil a commitment and no, nothing else so you know it would it'd be a bit meaningless really Ian but even though people could watch it on TV potentially because a lot of people listening to this podcast might not be regular match goers as I am and I know you you two particularly Adam and Andy are. I know you do go to all the games necessarily Louisa would you maybe you're the one to answer this then? I mean, a lot of your consumption of the games is on television. So would you be as long as you could watch the games on television, if it was a choice behind closed doors or stopping the games altogether, which would you go for? Well, I think there's an element of yes, I'm sitting at home um and you know, watching it on the TV, so you you you're very distant from the game itself. But I just kind of feel that um even if the, if there was no crowd you still get the atmosphere, you still hear the, the crowd cheering or groaning or singing. So you, so at home you still have a, a similar feeling, even though obviously it's not exactly the same. Um, I think, what was the game we played in Europe again? Remind CSK me. CSK Moscow. Yeah, so yeah, we Moscow. played that behind closed doors. Although there were actually yeah. 600 in. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there were. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. of their fans, weren't there? Um, so, the, you know, I mean, that was only a bit of a one-off. and But it was still played and I still watched it at home and I'm sure that everybody else here did too. I was there. Um, you, you, you <laughs> I was actually at the game. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit torn because I kind of feel like the point of um, closing the doors is to, is to try and prevent this virus from spreading. And but then you've still got staff members, you've still got players and coaching staff. All right, it's not 50, 60, 70,000 people, but there's still, if you're going to stop it for 60, 70,000 people because you're trying to prevent the virus from spreading, then obviously you should be doing that for everybody because you still got to protect the staff, not just the players, but all of the staff that are turning up. And then those staff that are turning up to then go home to their families 
it's still a potential risk, even though it's a smaller risk. So it sounds like you're on the Andy suggestion of suspending it of or cancelling it. I even I kind of am, but I'm still. I'm. I'm I've, I've looked into this a lot this week um, because of something else that, that I'm also involved with. That's that's involved with Formula One and Formula Two, and um, you know. So I've been reading all the World Health Organization. Uh, statements that but actually didn't came out. did I read somewhere today that the Bahrain Grand Prix is going to be on an empty yeah, track? Yeah, it's, it's well, closed doors, yeah. That's yeah. exactly why, you know, we, we've just wrote an article yesterday um, about that, about the, the Bahrain and it being closed off. How's that going to be? How's that going to feel as a spectator? Because I still watch the Grand... I don't attend all the Grand Prix and I still watch that at home. I think it'll be very odd and I think it'll be odd for... Well, come back to the football, for the players... I think the players won't have that same feeling. We could lose games or win games. You know, the results will be altered. What's the point, I think, of What's playing games? Yeah, so what, what do you think, Adam? I agree. Um, I think there's no point in having empty state. I think, um, as a from a fan's point of view... Um, I'm quite happy to have empty stadium games. Really, if that means it, ha- if it meant you either cancel a season or they play behind closed doors, mm, I'd rather the it. season yeah. be played out. Even if it is Me sort too. of a formality, I'd still rather yeah. see because yeah. you've got an end to a season. Then it, it doesn't feel yeah. like scorched earth sort of the rest of it. Because it feels like well, there's no point in turning up from there was no point in turning up from August until until March then. Mm. Um, but in terms of a, a health perspective, it makes no sense to have those games played because, like you say, there's so many, so much staff. You know, look when we lift a trophy and we bring on about 80 members of staff that come out. They're all travelling everywhere. They're going to be travelling around Europe if they're in the Champions League. Mm. So it's it's a complete risk, although it's not 60,000 people. It's still a big risk. You know, one person can give it to how many. We've seen it on the news. Now one person travels from one country to another. They're spreading it to however many people. It can only be one, one super spreader, as they call it. What that can be, however many people in, in, a, in the staff uh, from well, a football no club. So there's no point. Is there? Because that's in the regions. That's well, yeah, so it's now on lockdown anyway. So there'll be no chance. So I, I would, um, as you're saying, Andy, postpone it until there's a point where we're going to start getting into pre-seasons, then you just have to cancel it. So I think it's delay it and delay it and delay it to the last possible opportunity to, to try and play it um, try and play it in summer. But then at some point you're going to have to cut your losses and say, listen, there's no chance of us doing this. We might as well um, just start the new season. We might even not start a new season. You never know, do you? But they're saying that the numbers are meant to you know, go down. You say, I'm sure China's slowly decreasing now and it sort of hits its peak after eight weeks or so. So I think it will blow over. But I think... As, as we're going to hit this peak period over the next few weeks, I think it is best that we just cancel fixtures and, and like you say, try and de- even delay the Euros or, or, like you say, push it back a summer. I think there'd be, there'd be no complaints from me about that. Well, it's certainly a subject that I'm sure we'll come back to um, and it's certainly not a subject in terms of the rights and wrongs of by government that I want to go into, but uh, that's where we are. We'll see how it transpires at the moment. The games still go ahead as we record this today. A decision was made that football stadiums and football games were unaffected for the time being at least. So I think it's we can be fairly confident the Arsenal game on Wednesday, the Burnley game next week and maybe the Real Madrid and Newcastle games, which are the ones that take us up to an international break, are all relatively safe. What happens after that remains to be seen. Now let's get on to the football. Uh, and this is just, <laughs> this is even more contentious really, because uh, as with every podcast that we have done, when there has been a bad result at the weekend, um, it the, the, the split on social media, which is where everybody tends to go to see the immediate reaction it's such uh, such polarised stuff you know there are people who are absolutely 
um, adamant that, that this person should go, that person should go, uh, Edison should never play again, and uh, you know, Otamendi, what's he doing? In, you know, and we can go through these players if you want. And the and, and and Pep's lost the plot and everything. And then there's there's other people who don't want to hear any criticism of everything. And I'm sorry, we're not going to please either side of that debate tonight because we are going to talk about it. I was on um, American station XS. Sirius XS FM earlier today and, and I suppose I was more outspoken or at least more opinionated on that than sometimes I am in the, I'm in the podcast. I'll leave that to you guys to do it on the podcast. So tell me what you thought about the Derby uh, defeat. Uh, you know, are, are you apportioning blame to this? Are you are you angry, upset? You just take it on the chin? Uh, are you not worried going forward? Where, where do you stand on this? Well, I have to reveal it's my fault uh, because the last three <laughs> podcasts I've been on it was United, Tottenham and United. <laughs> so I'm afraid I'm, 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 I'm make, making sure that I'm definitely nowhere near the Real Madrid game. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure we get that in the planning. Uh, well, I was at the game. And again, another rerun of the dominating possession game with chances. Um, okay, one was taken. Unfortunately, it was ruled out. At least it seemed crazy at the time because the flag was up quite early and Aguero at least put it in. And then we went through that routine of being frustrated at not being able to um, to break United down. And they looked a bit stronger than uh, the, the team that we played at Old Trafford the last time, although we had a different setup. And I think really some players were, were behind uh, par yesterday and... I'm not going to pick out particular names, but but for me, uh, they're the same names um, who seem to come up regularly amongst City fans. And, you know, I was stood with a lot of people who are familiar faces on a way day. And I think the feeling was that, you know, did it really matter at the end of the day? This is their cup final now. This is how we used to be. It doesn't, It's not nice losing a derby. So, left the ground. Pretty disappointed, but not angry. Just accepting that that means that there are some benefits about what, what that means for the Liverpool game. Hopefully now that they'll win their next two games and we'll hear the end of the Liverpool story. It won't be around them winning at our stadium. So actually, I thought yesterday that whilst the statistics might suggest that we, we performed well, I didn't feel as though we threatened United and there were mistakes made. And there were players who just really let let themselves down yesterday in terms of their, their performance. And it seems an awful long time ago since we beat Real Madrid and outside the stadium that night, I know you and I were, well, this is one of the best ever performances by a City team on the road. Well, uh, I'd qualify so, to say one of the best results by any City ah, team on okay, the road. Fair enough. Um, because when I when I <coughs> the vlog after that game, I think I called City's greatest night or something like that, and a few people pulled me up on it. Um, it's very hard in just a few words to explain what you're saying. Uh, I certainly meant that in terms of results. If you look at that without knowing about the game or, or any any people's forms or anything, an away win at the Santiago Bernabeu has to be, yep. in my opinion, the greatest achievement by City. You can then reflect on it and say, Real Madrid, not what they used to be, um, but it's still the greatest result, in my in my humble opinion. But, well, well, Man United aren't what they used to be either. And they, you know, 
the press is full of wonderment again because they've had 10 games now, I, th I think it is, without a defeat. And they're in, you know, I think two competitions. Is that right? So, so or three, if you count the uh, the Europa League. Are they still in that? I thought yeah, you counted yeah, that yeah. and weren't counting the league, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, OK. You, I was right first time, actually. So I don't really... Um, I don't really care about their progress. It's inevitable that they have the the muscle with the right leadership to come back into contention with the other teams. But but really, I mean, where we are, we know that seven defeats now is a long way from what we've been used to the last two seasons. And I think it's seven defeats with a similar pattern to those seven defeats, which is the most worrying thing from my perspective. That more than anything upset me yesterday that we seem to have this inherent game plan weakness which which seems to pop up in the games that we get we get beaten in. That's the overview. What about you, Adam? I mean, continue with the overview because I've got some specific questions about individual yeah. players and things like that to come, but you can throw yeah, in some so individuals probably, probably if you is, want. No, it probably is more of a, a general overview. I think it seemed like the players went into the game with a similar attitude that I went into the game with. I, I just thought, it's a derby, I'm buzzing for it, as always. If we lose, ah well. I I ended the game and I, I was I was happy. I wasn't wasn't that fussed. Um, obviously, you know you lose and that and you know, I, I wish we'd have won. But half an hour after the game, personally, I'm not going to pretend like I cared that much. I'd sort of forgotten about it by then. It didn't doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. I'd rather have lost that game than the one at the Bernabeu or the one at the Etihad's yeah. coming up in the next few weeks. So it's certainly one of, one of those games that. You know, if you're going to lose one, I'd rather lose that one, even though it sounds strange to say, because Manchester Derby obviously has been. as It was our biggest game for so many years and so many years, and it's just not that at the minute. If we're going for titles, it's a big game because we're going for titles. It's not a big game because it's Man United, because they're not going for titles either. We're not rivaling them for trophies. So it was a strange one, but yeah, I'm not going to say and pretend like I cared that much. Um, I wasn't too... I wasn't analysing player performances, I wasn't looking around thinking, oh, I wish you'd have done that, I was done that. Sort of passively watching, watching it, you know, having a sing-song, I was in a pub, it's me, uh, cousin's 21st, maybe that affected it as well. But, um, yeah, I was just, I just, you know, enjoyed watching a game of football without too many strings attached to it, really. So it wasn't a derby to you then? Um, no, apart from sense. the fact that I was having, you know, banter with me, obviously all my mates that are Reds, um, there's not very many Blues that I know. Um, apart from that and the, the, the 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 rivalry in terms of that and the fan rivalry it just felt you know it was just a just another game really and yeah I just like I said I'd rather lose that than the other ones around it so I'm not not too hung up about it really I feel that the players had that exact same mentality I don't think they showed up for a derby I think no. they showed up I disagree with some people online I think individually performances were were excellent for some for some of the players mm. Um, and but as a collective team, not so much. I felt like there were a, you know a bunch of eleven pl separate players on that pitch yesterday. There was they, they felt like there was no sense of what the derby normally is, and I even feel that for for the United side and for the United team too. They didn't I didn't feel from their point of view they were playing a derby. Um, you know they're missing a lot of their world class players, and I think in the second half they just. They just upped that game just that little bit more because I do think we were fairly equal and fairly the, the same throughout the, the whole match up until you know sort of the second half. 
and then it was just like they they wanted it more it's like the occasion suddenly kicked in for some of them whereas it never kicked in for us from my point of view that you know this is all this is at the end of the day it's it's our individual points of view um again you know you you're right i mean do we start naming players i think that we all know the players i think we all know the names you know Who? everyone's sitting at home Who uh, do you reckon? Uh, saying go on well, I mean, I'm Sterling at the minute, you know. No, oh, he's been awful, hasn't he, since Christmas? He's, he's, not, he's not been good. Yeah. He's not been good. Uh, yeah, Edison made a couple of um, unfortunate mistakes. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't switched on. A bit too quick at the very end there. But 2-0, 6-0, 1-0, doesn't matter. We lose the game, we lose the game. Yeah. I just didn't feel like it was a derby. Um, I don't feel like we necessarily lost it because we were poor. We just couldn't finish. We weren't finishing. And this is the exact same uh, thing I said last week anyway for the previous games before last week's podcast. We just can't seem to finish. You know, we've got those world-class... We had our world-class players out there. Yeah, it might not be the same squad as last season or the season before. We've still got different players doing very different things at the minute. Seems like there's no flow. But we've still got incredible players on that pitch. So for us not to have, have gone one or two ahead or be drawn, or whatever by half time is still a bit of a mystery to me and I'm not a football coach I'm not Pep Guardiola if he can't figure it out how am I supposed to figure it out because there's obviously something in there that he, he's not figuring something out at the minute because it's not working <laughs> three defeats out of four against United this season um, that's, a, that's just a fact uh, mm-hmm. Andrew Tams um, on Facebook I'll read out what he said. I think this is quite typical of a lot of City fans. I think those of us who have been City supporters for a long time and certainly through the 90s and noughties can actually see a real positive today. The way that they celebrated the win can only make me laugh. Who'd have thought that beating Little City could be so good and celebrated like actually winning a trophy? A bit like us in the 90s and noughties, I suppose. So how the times have changed. Just to add one further point, though, Little United's starting lineup. Cost over four hundred million today. Cities was, well, one guy on the vlog actually said it was a hundred million less. But even Andrew is saying three hundred and eighty million, i.e., twenty million pound less. Uh, avoid Salford tomorrow. There will be an open top bus parade. He says. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously that, and, and a lot of people on my vlog were, were were having that attitude, and they got bombarded with comments by United fans, you know, who were saying. You know, you're bitter and, you know, calling us a mid-table team and all the rest of it. And actually, if, if I'm being reasonably neutral here, as I try to be in the way that I present this, um, I've got to say that City, two years ago, are not the side that they were, uh, one year ago, not the side they were, whereas United are actually quite a little bit better now. So, um, so you know, wh- where are we in, in that while I, we I, try and I fix a microphone agree. in the yeah. studio? <laughs> I kind of agree. I mean, I kind of thought that, we, again, we got pulled into their way of playing. You know, I thought we were too slow, we too many passes again. Um, you know, the, the, midfield, the midfield was very, very heavy. It was very loaded. And um, I don't know, I thought we were quite passive. You know, we didn't take advantage um, with the high quality finishes that we can have. And I do feel that, you know, if Aguero is carrying a bit of an issue, I mean, again, like I say, I'm not Pep Guardiola, I'm not the coach, but if carrying a bit of an issue, we all know that Aguero can come on the pitch as a sub and he can absolutely turn a game around for us and change a result for us, not just, you know, in 2012. How many times has Aguero scored and got us back 
back into a game. And if he is carrying something, I'd have I'd have liked to have thought that he'd have kept him to, to towards the end, and he would have actually been a substitute. And then the hunger to, to you know to change that game to turn it on its head. If that had been one one at 70, 75 minutes then th this result would have been a very different result, I think. Because yeah. I do feel that Edison obviously was rushing in those dying seconds. Why rush? You know, it's, 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 it's six minutes into injury time. Why rush? Why take the risk? Which, which he did, I obviously. I think it's worth him taking the risk, though, because it was... It's one nil, isn't it? You know, it doesn't matter if we did. It right. I mean, doesn't matter. You know, the, the second you know, goal doesn't, doesn't matter, matter, does it? No. You know. So I didn't mind. I'd rather us rush and try and make something happen than yeah. than but, try to I mean, be cumbersome I'm, and set the one nil defeat. Of, you know, like, so. dis, dis, not in an argumentative way, but I I kind of disagree with you. I was actually gutted. You know, I mean, I've I've been through um, many derbies um, in my life where we've been absolutely slaughtered, and it's been the most awful feeling you know and I was really gutted that we lost um, you know it, it meant a lot to me the derby for sure it still does it, it was definitely the case that um, once again there was definitely a silence around the first half when City were dominating and again in the second half we had a go but De Gea never really had much to do we never really tested him and I think that's that's the, the, the point and when we, when we go back to the game with the Etihad I remember sitting here afterwards and we talked about how strong United had been down their right-hand side with Wambasaka and with Daniel James. Exactly the same yesterday. And it was clear that Sterling and Alexander Zinchenko were not going to uh, rescue that situation without some intervention in tactics or or, or so, something from Guardiola and it was just missing I and felt it was a bit unfair for Zinchenko yesterday I felt like he was in again. this weird position of defending mm. and then obviously taking that role of feeding the ball and getting it up the pitch and I, in my view as a, in as a City team he was man of the match for me yesterday because I could just I kept showing my nephew's quite new to this and it was his first derby that we were watching and I kept saying to him well, just keep your eye on him keep your eye on Zinchenko watch how much he's moving around that pitch um, and I thought it was incredible yesterday really did well the, obviously the individuals are coming for a lot of criticism um, uh, I know that Edison got a lot of stick um, some people felt not only that his mm, uh, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because I don't want to be too judgmental myself because I want, don't want to lead you into something but you know his recklessness shall we say because there was one where he was running across his own goal line at the Stretford mm. end and barely kept it out. And there's the one <laughs> at the end where he comes way out of his goal and, and the goal goes in. And there have been uh, two or three incidents like this yeah, now during off. the season. He's mm. sending off, etc. Um, there was one person, I'll try and find the, 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 uh, the, the message that was sent to me, saying that isn't it time that Bravo now gets mm. a bit of a run in the game. So let's start with the goalkeeper. Um, uh, and, and this isn't meant to be um, a witch hunt or, or actually having a go at these players because we, you know, some of these players are much loved by City fans. It's purely an analysis and trying to be an honest analysis. Is Edison as good as we think he is? Um, is it time for him to, to come out of, of the first team? I, I, I don't personally believe that we should, should be taking him out. I think just like when we talk about defenders having the odd error in the season, you've got points of three or four that might lead to goals. When you think about how much he brings to the team in terms of going forward, 
even scoring goals, not him personally, but allowing us to score goals with his passing. That's unrivaled, really. Bravo. Even though he came with all this bravado, being a great passer and stuff, he still hasn't shown it me that much. Um, and I think uh, Edison's just taken it to the next level, and his performances in terms of going forward have been brilliant. And I think he gives us a lot more um, than 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 the fact he takes away from the odd mistake. I think it's okay every now and again he might make a mistake. Yeah, he's got a screw loose. Every keeper has to do. You know, sometimes <laughs> he makes a bad decision. Most keepers make bad decisions. If they make one bad decision, it's a goal. You know, most players can get away with those on the pitch most of the time. So I think I take the same stance with him that I take with centre halves at times when I see him make mistakes. I'm like, yeah, but how much does he give us? You know, if Laporte makes three or four mistakes a season, look how much he's given us going forward and in terms of that leadership. So I personally won't be taking him out of the way. Although I think Bravo's been brilliant. You know, what a, what a save in the cup final. And whenever he's been called upon since he was taken out of the team after that first season. Can't really fault the lad. He's been brilliant. So you know, big, big, big praise for Bravo. Later but I still want to take him out. Later on in this podcast, I'm going to actually ask for the team you want to see face Real Madrid in the second leg. So we'll come back to to that particular topic. The back four is obviously a, a huge talking point. Uh, last night it was Otamendi and Fernandinho with Zinchenko that's already been mentioned on one side and Cancelo on the other. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of question marks about the defence generally. Uh, what was your analysis of that back four? Well, I'm just going to come back to Edison for a second, if you don't fair, mind. Fair enough, yeah. Um, I think Edison has had that inherent heart-in-your-mouth uh, feeling that some of us have got used to and some haven't. Uh, and what I remember about yesterday, apart from his errors, is he, did, he hit this one ball that was 70 yards, inch perfect in the second half. And I don't see any keeper in the Premier League or in the Champions League doing what he does. And we can't forget that that's... An inherent part of his game. Devil's advocate, though, well, he could play that ball five yards to Fernandinho in front well, of him. Well, that's and funny. He can play that ball because that's my next point. The problem with Edison is Fernandinho, and us escaping out of defence against a very, very impressive high press yesterday. United's teammate has gone down. They've got guys who are running all through the game. Their pressing yesterday was exceptional, and we couldn't cope with it. And that go-to player isn't there. He's not where he used to be. Mm -hmm. All the defenders used to look for Fernandinho at the centre of that centre of the wheel, and how many passes went through him. And we've not had that this season. And I think if you start to analyse everything together, that's going to be at the heart of most of the problems we've had. Most of the mistakes and forced errors are because we, he's not playing in the right position. So right back in September on one of the very early podcasts of this season, um, I said that I thought Rodri was a problem. Yeah. Not because I've got anything personal against him, not because technically he doesn't look uh, a decent player, but because of his speed of thought and speed of action. Um, and I still maintain that that is a problem. Now, you can chuck into the equation that um, Gundogan's played alongside him in this game and others, and I'm sure somebody's sent me the, the statistic that those two have been together in that those joint positions eight times, and mm. we've lost every game, or mm. pretty much lost every game. So maybe it's a combination of the two, but whatever way you look at it, it does feel to me, I agree with you, Andy, that the and I've said this consistently all the way along, that that position that Fernandinho was in is the single difference between this season and last. Yeah, it's the most important position on the pitch, you know. I think Guardiola said it himself. You think you look at the Barcelona days, he, 
he, he took out Yaya from there, brought in Busquets. Busquets was the main man, has been the main man since. He did, Schweinsteiger had a similar role at Bayern Munich. As soon as he came in, he identified, right, that's the man. Even Everything goes Lamb through him. There, yeah, exactly. The, that is the most important part of the field. Do you feel there might be a power struggle somewhere? <sighs> in what sense? Edison, Fernandinho... Just you know, because we, we egos at play. I don't know if it's that. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's an ego as such. I don't know if it's like a more of a leadership struggle of who is the leader at the back there. Who is it? Um, because I think Edison sort of wants to try and take that leadership. Now company's gone, but it's almost like he still can't quite. He still has to make those big decisions. I.e., being the assist. And, and not passing the ball to Fernandinho. Um, I'm not trying to sort of create a, a problem or, or drama or, you know, some trivia. I just feel this, we've been discussing this all season, every time I've been on the podcast, that there's some leadership issue at the back. Mm. So what is it? Well, it's Laporte not playing, isn't it? For me, the sounds as simple what, as that, what, you know. What but. I thought of, and <laughs> coming back to Edison, sorry, is I remember Sterling saying something, uh, I think it was last season, and he said that Pep has enabled him to not just be sort of a good player, because he's a good player anyway, he, he always was, but to think, to be a thinking player. And then we've, we've had a couple of incredible seasons out of him. He's off the boil at the minute, but that's another another discussion. I'm not sure how much Pep works with Edison because I know that they have a slightly different system set up there for the for the keepers to be training. Um, you know, I mean, do, do we feel like Edison needs to be thinking a bit more, needs, needs to be more of a thinking player? Mm, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that one is. Uh, I'm not really sure. I, I think it's... Uh, if you just roll back to this time last season and we had Edison and we had company mm. and we had Laporte, and we had Fernandinho, I'm saying that for me is all you need to think about. Mm. The spine of the team, and the spine would now have Kevin De Bruyne in it, and Sergio Aguero, and you know, there's players on the fringes of the spine. And as soon as that's wobbling, and I think that's true of all the great performances season on season that we've had, as soon as that spine wobbles, we, we struggle. And, and I think, you know, the weakest point is definitely the position now that Rodri is trying to fulfil. A very difficult role, I think, it's fair to say, but if Fernandinho is still man of the match half the games this season playing at centre-back, then, you know, he's working and covering for more than he should be. Whether that's the man alongside him, whether that's Stones Otamendi, it's hardly likely to be Laporte. He doesn't seem to need any babysitting, frankly. Um, you know, your heart doesn't go in your mouth. Um, as it did yesterday when Otamendi stood up and nearly gave away a penalty. Mm. So I think you've got to have confidence in the players around you. And I think if you go back to that, f those four players last season, the wing-backs could have been anybody, really. We had that solidarity and we don't have it this season. And I think that's at the heart of the problem, Ian. It's not just about bringing in Bravo. I think we'd have exactly the same problems against United yesterday with Bravo playing. I don't think it would have been any different. It's like the first season under Guardiola. You know, the first season under Guardiola, we had no confidence in the back four. He got rid of all the full backs, all four of them, released them all, and then we, you know, we brought in we brought in Laporte, and obviously Company was was injured for that as well. So 
it's all about it. everything starts from that back line. You think about it, you know, we defend large spaces because our back four is on the halfway line. Mm. Now the first thing, the first thing that happens in a, in a build-up comes from the keeper. It comes to centre half. It always starts from the halfway line. If that's not right, the whole team's not right from there from there on forward. So it, it's so important. It's key, and we saw it in the first season that the Guardiola was there, and we're just mm. seeing. The inklings that the same things are happening that was in that first season. I was next going to talk to you about Raheem Sterling because clearly he's a big subject, you know, the apparent dip in form. But is this all related to the speed of the ball that's coming out from the central midfield areas? Um, is it because he's not getting the ball as quickly when he's one-on-one with somebody rather than receiving it at his feet when there are players already stood on him? Or is the fact that he's been playing predominantly on the left now in the absence of Sane a factor or is it something else or or is Raheem Sterling that actually not playing that badly but you'll find few City fans at the moment who wouldn't argue that Raheem Sterling is is not playing anywhere near the level he played at the last two seasons well it's, it's deja vu again talking about Raheem isn't it um, at the Sheffield United away game there was a guy stood in the crowd next to me and he said this is the real Raheem Sterling. He's a, he had a purple patch. This is the same Sterling that we got under Pellegrini. You know, it was almost like saying, you know, he isn't going to improve. He's he's had that spell of of excellence, and maybe we should have, you know, taken our chances and sold him. And when you watch when you watch him, he seems to lack confidence. He, my feeling when Raheem Sterling now gets the ball is that if he's taking it at pace. He might not make the right decision about the pass, the next pass, or if he's actually in a in an area where somebody is going to win the ball off him, there's a high probability that he loses possession. So those things are, are troubling. I think that's that's definitely something that I've seen. Probably, I think it started probably at the last United game. I think there was that issue in the corner that we've. Um, Would it help him if he was playing on the right? I mean, yesterday yeah. in the derby match. Um, Phil Fordham's playing on the right-hand side and I'll talk about him a little bit Mm. separately in a minute but he was playing wide on the right-hand side obviously uh, Riyad Mahrez is playing wide on the right-hand side Um, so that means now that uh, he's become a left winger almost Sterling is that a problem is that part of this or is that not part of it well we've got options with uh, Gabriel Jesus to play as well and he seems to be very effective in a wide, wide position so the options are there to bring Sterling on the right. Would you do it? I think you'd have to try something else. And right now, the lad needs a break. Otherwise, you know, I think at Madrid, I remember saying, bring Sterling on now after, you know, we were sort of 60, 60 minutes in, we needed a goal. And and he did have an impact, a really positive impact. In Europe, he seems to have, whether it's space or the speed of the game, teams tend to sit off you a little bit more. I think he struggles a little bit with the intensity at the moment that he's coming up against uh, when he's trying to when he's trying to do things and I th- I think he's just struggling to you know it's like if he doesn't do something quickly invariably one or two touches or a little bit of time to think it doesn't end up well and I think yesterday perhaps the thing that probably we all felt a bit flat was he had a golden opportunity to score mm, yeah he had one on time a real golden he? one it yeah. wasn't as though he was overstretching and mm. you know when the player's low in confidence those are the sorts of things I think that happen and Guardiola's better than anybody for for picking a player up and I think if that means giving him a chance outright let's do it I think I think it's broader than Raheem Sterling I think I think the the play's too slow mm, you know yeah, you look at agree. Sheffield yeah. Wednesday away 
I was bored watching it, and now I'm not. My granddad's, you know, they're always, you know, get, why are we, why are we passing around so much? You know, they're that old style. Whereas I'm completely pep converted. You know, he is, he is God, and I love passing the ball and all that type of stuff. But watching that was the first time I've really watched it in the last few years and be like, I'd, I'd be watching paint dry right now. Mm. I was paint, we were painting the doors in the houses, and we might as well carried on <laughs> to be honest, because uh, it was, it, it was so boring and cumbersome. And that's what's affecting things as well because it, it, we need to have less touches on the ball. Mm-hmm. The passes need to be quicker because our, our system's all about moving the opposition around so you move you go from you're passing the ball on the left to make room for the people on the right as you bring it back you're pulling them around and that's what we've been so successful at for years pulling people out of positions even those teams that are really well set up you manage to make sure that one of those players are out of position so you can slot someone in and and, and that gives that gives Raheem Sterling that bit of space that he needs to then run into but if we're doing it too slow he's not got that space to receive the ball in and then it is of course always more difficult when you've got a man right in front of you you know beating a man if you're hitting it with pace and you've got some space to run into like Sane we were giving Sane balls and he was just running into the mm-hmm. space and scoring so many goals over the last few years it's so slow and like I say it was boring last week for the first time in years but I mean on that point and you mentioned it Ian about the Gundogan Rodri factor if we want fast ball that's not the team to play with those two in that position and statistics I know you don't like it might <laughs> back that up Obviously, I think Adam's absolutely right. I think it is too slow, and it was yesterday. And at times, you know, you, you could feel the away end like urging the team in the second half to quicker, yeah. quicker. Because that's the problem with still, it gets crowded. Yeah. Because yeah. we're being too slow. You know, players are getting back. I mean, you know, talking about nine, ten ish, well, not ten, sorry, nine of the opposition getting back in time because we're being that slow. That's mm-hmm. not the way to score goals with a packed goal area it, it never is for any team not unless it's going to be scrappy and scrambly like you know down in division two or three and we don't play like that anymore premiership teams don't play like that anymore so you know we need to be fast we needed to be hitting that ball yesterday one touch pass it on even if it's short passes even if people haven't got the range or got the ac- necessary necessarily accurate across the pitch short passes but quicker well, where's this David Silver on the day like yesterday then? But, I but, Bernardo, the but Bernardo was on, and, and yeah. Bernardo, in my eyes, is is the player that will take over Silver yeah. because he, he has that same magic, he has that same ability to keep that ball like a magnet at his foot, have that very quick skill with his feet to turn, you know, on a, well, is it on a sixpence or whatever the saying is. And he has got that magic about him too, and, mm. and to me, he can fulfill that role. For but our uh, American listeners, by the way, can turn on a dime. Dime, turn on a dime, <laughs> <laughs> which is five. Ten. <laughs> oh, is it ten? ten oh, so that's me. Oh, no. sorry, sorry. Do you know, and I've lived there twice as well. I <laughs> <laughs> think I'd remember, wouldn't you? You're a royalty. You didn't need money. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it, I'll throw this one in now, which which might sound a bit left field, but you know, I'm going to throw it in anyway. This afternoon, I'm talking to. Uh, Rodney Marsh and Tommy Wright on a programme that they do in America and Rodney uh, threw a statement out at me Um, he watched the game uh, clearly on a big screen and he said he had the feeling that players didn't want to pass to Phil Forden and and when I thought about it uh, and and I was in the ground I thought you know what I think you might be right because I saw loads of times when he was available Mm -hmm. when a player would turn and look that way and then turn inside and play it to somebody else Uh, I'd sort of thought it didn't really want to admit it to myself 
But once Rodney, who I respect as a former player, um, said it to me so directly, I thought, hmm, maybe I That's have to reluctantly admit it. That's very interesting, because I noticed at a certain point, probably closer to the end of the game, where I think he moved his, his position, what, what position he was in himself. Well, he moved in, didn't he? He moved, yeah. And, and then, I mean, look at the, the two cracking shots he did have, especially that one that was properly on target. You know, and and you're just like, what's just happened? This guy's just moved into a slightly different position here. Well, and whilst that's a valid point, and we can talk about that, my original question, which I just want to get you to answer, is whether or not you feel as if maybe there's something in that and that the players don't mm. quite trust Phil Foden. Now, you can argue about him coming in and being more effective centrally, and that's a slightly different debate. But d did you sense that, or is Rodney wrong? Or, uh, you know, is that not the case and we're just reading something there that uh, wasn't is there. it that they don't trust him or is I, it that I they don't want to lose their position to him That's I didn't I didn't question, sense you know. that and I don't I don't think they'd be selfish enough to, to to not pass to him because they want to keep hold of their own position it might not if it's true it might not have been a conscious decision no it may no it may it may it may not have been I just I didn't notice it personally but you know you might have noticed something that I didn't um I just think he's a, he's a young lad so you know maybe that does go into subconscious that you, when you're looking for something in a game, you look for your most experienced players, you look for the ones that have really changed things in the past and Foden hasn't got that reputation yet and certainly isn't an experienced player to take the, scru uh, the game by the scruff of the neck. So it maybe was, it was a it subconscious was thing. It was by the commentators oh, was on it? the TV though. Yeah, it was noticed by them. Yeah, so I wouldn't say... It should, it, I don't think we should read too much into it. I think I think if we are going to read something into it, it should be that he's not experienced enough to take the game by the scruff of the net yet and the players know that. I don't think it's the fact that he's not good enough or he's below par and he shouldn't really be playing. I wouldn't read that into it, but you might read that into well, it. Well, Andy's been thinking. I can well, see it all over his face. Well, to be honest, the game was very one, one flank yesterday. I haven't seen any heat maps or anything, but it seemed to me that well, we were yeah. playing and United were playing on the same side of the pitch. Now you've said it, yeah, I was thinking about it. And what I thought about was, I don't remember hearing one single City fan shout out, give it to Foden, get it wide to Foden. He had a great game last week, he was a man of the match, give it Foden. Not one. And if that's the way we're thinking, mm -hmm. at the derby with a hardcore in the away end, players on the pitch, who can blame them? It's not yet made a grade. Maybe he shouldn't have started yesterday. And we had Riyad Mahrez available. If we wanted to be critical... Perhaps it wasn't the right game mm. to start Phil Foden in. And maybe Rodney's actually in the commentator yesterday picked up on a sense of, yeah, we're not really, you know, players maybe even turning back and looking for another another avenue for the pass. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but I think now you've pointed it yeah, out. It's probably quiet, there's a, it's a good point. Quiet, it's a rotate yeah. though, don't forget, you know. Mm. It's a, it, this was the least important game of the games that we've had over oh, the last few oh, 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 oh. <laughs> weeks. You keep saying I, that. I, I, honestly, well, that it was. was my 80th Manchester derby, right? And I've only seen City, because I keep the record yeah. of this. Uh, you may say I don't like statistics. This one I keep. <laughs> <laughs> 22 victories in 80 derbies. That hurts. That hurts. Yes, it, it might hurt you. But it, yesterday yeah. thinking, no, this I doesn't didn't. matter. I'd rather beat Real Madrid. Mm, no. I wanted to win that. Yeah, me too. Guardiola won't be thinking that though. He's not thinking about what happened in 1996. You know what I mean? So it's not. <laughs> it, it, it's he's got. A, he's no, looking it, at the fixture schedule without 19, emotion. I know you, know you said that quite flippantly, but it's not about that. It's about 
understanding that your mm. core supporters, those people yeah. in that ground mm. yesterday, in that away end, mm. I can't speak for everybody who's watching all around the world, but so, I, I talked to a couple of uh, City fans from Orlando, actually, who aren't used to um, you know, actual derbies, that, that, but no, they the understood vlog. the on concept, the on the yeah. vlog, yeah, yeah, nice and, and they, they understood the concept of it, and the, there isn't a, a parallel, if you like, in, in America. Maybe it's the Mets against the Yankees, or mm. the Cubs against the... Uh, uh, the, the White Sox in Chicago or something like that maybe that's where the, the, the derby is but it, it certainly mattered to all those it felt like it mattered to all those people and when I went to it I thought this is the Manchester derby you know yeah. and as much as Liverpool have become big rivals and as much as being mm. Real Madrid is vital I still wanted I, if you're going to give me a, mm. a I don't care about this one or that one how about Arsenal or Burnley this week I know I was thinking derby. about you look, yeah. you the look at the games yeah, that come afterwards yeah it's we, yeah, the, the games around it really. I'm he could have afforded. Them, don't get me wrong. No, he could. He, yeah, he could have played uh, a better team, considering the games that are coming after it. If we had like a champ, you know, Champions League game midweek. If it was Real Madrid this midweek, mm-hmm. then of course you'd be thinking, yeah, I've got you know rest of players. But no, I wouldn't. Is, well, no, you <laughs> might not. But I, I would see. I would see more of an argument for it actually. But when you look at the the games that are around this one, mm-hmm. maybe it was the wrong decision to do that. But I think. Guardiola clearly saw it as a, a less important game and that's why Foden started. Let's move on now to the, this question about the Real Madrid game because we're all agreeing that Real Madrid and arguably the Newcastle game, which is now the Saturday evening that's been announced today, um, that those two games are perhaps more important than Arsenal and Burnley because they're the two competitions that City can win this season, at least on paper. So, uh, given that Real Madrid is the first of those two games... I assume that you just don't take it for granted that the game is won, despite the 2-1 first leg lead, um, and despite the fact that Real Madrid are not playing anywhere near the level that they once did. In fact, I think they lost yesterday, didn't they? Um, to, to somebody that you know you wouldn't have necessarily expected to lose to. Then They're not playing particularly well at the moment. So, what, what's, <laughs> this is where you can almost pick through what you thought of the derby again if you want. But but who? What is the eleven now? It, we've we ask this question quite regularly for big games that are upcoming, and this team might vary quite a bit. So where we are right now? So is it is it Edison or is it Bravo that plays in goal <laughs> against Edison, Real Madrid? Hundred percent Edison, absolutely. Edison's yeah, one vote. Question. Oh yeah. Yeah, Edison, it's yeah. all round. Edison. Mm, yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, right. Right back. Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker. Yep. Yeah. He's, been, he's looked. He's looked better. You know, I slagged him off yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, I've got yeah. a lot of stick on Twitter for <laughs> it, but he, he's look. He's looking better recently, and uh, he does make the odd mistake that still makes me, you yeah. know, get, have a moan in the stand because oh, I do see him quite a bit down there. But to me, he's, he's, he's had a good season. He, of course, he has. Yeah. He's actually having a very good season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah, speed yeah. of recovery yeah. is excellent. Um, no uh, doubt. You know, j- just a player has to play to me. Yeah. Now you come into the slightly more complicated areas. There's obviously the possibility Laporte won't be fit. If Laporte's fit, I assume that there's not even a question mark that no he's doubt. one no. of the two centre-backs. But let's just for a moment forget that and think he's not fit. So let's give you two options at centre-back that don't include Laporte. And of course, you can't pick uh, Mendy at left-back because he's suspended. So you've, oh you've got to find another alternative at left-back. So what do you go for in the Real Madrid game as your defence if Laporte is not fit? Oh, that's I'd got you go. Thinking, it? Mm, I'd, I'd certainly put. For, well, I would rather put Fernandinho in midfield for the game, but I know I know for the fact that he won't. So I'm going to put Fernandinho at centre half, 
Um, and it's a, it's a toss-up with, with the two unreliable ones, Otamendi and John Stones. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably give it, Ot- I'd give it Otamendi. Some people are saying Eric Garcia should be getting more of a, a chance. Uh, I think it's just a bit... It's just jumping the gun a little bit, I think. You know, he's not, he's not been in the big games. You know, he's looked good in the small games, but it's not a big game that he's played into. So, yeah, I think well, it's too uh, early for uh, him. If, that, if that's the case, Eric should play on Wednesday. Right, if he's got any any de- thoughts about playing him in that game, he should play Wednesday. Yeah, but I think the three who played yesterday, plus Walker, would be the back four. I'd be worried. I don't think we can afford to give away any free kicks, any penalties whatsoever in that match. I would not play Otamendi. Mm. Because he's bit, he is very. It, See, this isn't the first time. The derby isn't the first time he's done this. It, it's it's quite frequent that he does foul quite a lot we cannot afford to go down on on a penalty or a free kick on the edge of that box so stones gets the nod from I'd you get, i'd nod stones back in because what we don't want to happen with stones if we are going to keep him is is destroy his confidence is, is destroy him as a player mentally we need to give him a big game and it might raise his level up anyway. Well, I hope, I hope they wear double denim again. <laughs> yeah, he looks good in that. Because Stones look, <laughs> look the best in that The only lad who could pull it off. <laughs> Sinchenko's the only alternative, presumably, at left-back, is he? Is there another? What if he gets, what if he gets I, injured? He's magic. He got a lot of stick from a magic. lot of fans yesterday. He he's came magic off, to me. And the manager, presumably, when he took him off, I mean, obviously, you're disagreeing, Louisa, but uh, a lot of... Fans around me certainly seem to be quite delighted when he went off. I, I, I mean, the, my notes here when I watch the games, and um, obviously I was at the stadium, I wouldn't be making notes, but sitting at home, it's a lot easier. And, um, you know, I've got it here, just just four lines of, you know, playing defensively excellent, playing his heart out, accurate passes, intelligent. That's the few words I wrote about him yesterday. And I'm a bit of a wordsmith, if I say so myself. Well, well you know, done on the homework. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I want my gold star, you know. Um, we'll, we'll do our lines we'll, afterwards. We've got a gold star over there. Yeah, Can you just bring you. it over? <laughs> but, you know, so on, on that alone... Absolutely, he he's in the he's team. He's got your chocolate oh, there, Will. Look at and it's a gold <laughs> chocolate. A gold <laughs> chocolate. Perfect, Will. Oh, thank you. Uh, right, let's move into the uh, <clears throat> rather more problematical area. With the, the one that you all seem to agree is is a bit of a problem, which is in front of that. Assuming this is going to be a goalkeeper and a back four, are we going for one or two players then in front of that back four? And who are they? And we're not asking you to guess what Pep's going to do. Oh, it's what I what I would do. <laughs> oh, so I, well, I would have had Fern- I'd have Fernandinho in, in as a holding as a holding midfielder. 100%. Me too. Me too. Now, Fernandinho holding midfielder. He won't. Know, will he? Uh, he oh, won't no, no, he won't. I think. Um, and, and, and out of the possibilities that I think he is going to go for, I would rather him play. I'd, I'd actually say Gundogan and Gundogan and Rodri because I think if we play Rodri and then we play Bernardo and De Bruyne, don't forget we're two one up at home. So it, you know, I'm I'm thinking a bit a bit negatively in that way. But um, we, you know, just like we started at the Bernabeu, <laughs> remember you know, the United game? Him. We win three one at Old Trafford. And we lose 1-0 at home. And that was, again, managed by the team and Pep Guardiola. My fear is that we go into that game and everybody thinks, this one's done, really. Only need a draw out of this Mm. now. Uh, And obviously, you know, they've got to get two goals. So even if they get one, we go through on the away goals rule. So therefore, playing quite a defensive home performance would be the way to go. And to be honest, Pep has shown 
a bit of that now in, yeah. in games, he, big games he's played. I think I I was really impressed at the Bernabeu in the first first sort of half. People criticised us for not going for it. You saw a lot of the times. Uh, Edison had the ball at his feet and was like come on then come and attack mm. us and I like that I think that's what we've got to do at the Etihad and I think that's why I would have more more number of, more, more of that, those Rodri type players you know Gundogan and Rodri in, in the midfield um, to make themselves available for passes and, and, and solidify things and ask ask questions of them and say listen come at us now we're going to keep the ball so you're going for the more so defensive I'd, what about so you, I'd Andy? be more defensive personally my heart says <clears throat> not to do that it says go on go and finish it off Finish the tie off. Uh, go and just do um, twenty minutes. Take it, big risk. Go for it, and then sitting back and then just watching them squeeze a free kick on the edge of the box. Agree, of, yeah, yeah. So will you play them too then? I think that's what Guardiola will play. What do you do? Assuming that Fernandinho's not part of the equation because we're completely. Well, I think I think we've out. got Rodri nailed into his position. See, I, I would I would just pick Gundogan and, and leave Rodri out. Yeah, me too. Interesting. Um, Ro- uh, Gundogan played in that position for a lot of the running last, last season, season. Yeah. when mm. Fernandinho yeah. was injured and actually thought he did all I right in that position. An, that's I think when it's I became a fan. It's an interesting season, call. Yeah. Um, whether he'll do that is it? I think he'll, he'll go for them too. But I think that's a you know we definitely Gundogan in that position. Those games when he did play, we weren't necessarily banging lots of goals in, but we were. We were steady mm. and, and secure. So, um, I don't know. I just think that what you said about the United game, I think if we set up a little bit like just absorbing Real Madrid, we'll pay for it. I think we've got to be prepared to have um, Bernardo Silva and Kevin De Bruyne playing from you've, the start. You've got four positions left <clears> now if you've played those two together yeah. in central midfield. So, are you going to go for a single striker and no striker at all and try and catch them out that way? Uh, or two of them and play Jesus and Aguero, which gives you two more positions. You've only got four if you're picking Gundogan and Rodri. I, I think playing Aguero and Jesus would confuse them, and I think that we could give them a real hard time. So that and leaves it, you with I'll, two more. <clears throat> so who have we got in the midfield at the moment? You've got Rodri and Gundogan, so you're adding... Oh, I'd have Kevin De Bruyne Kevin and Bernardo oh, Silva. Yeah, that's that's it, question. that's the team. And David Silva. So Sterling this, doesn't get a shout, no, Riyad Mahrez doesn't get not, a shout. No, they can, they can be impacted later. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. What are you on this, Louisa? Yeah, yeah, absolutely go with that, totally. Um, I like the idea. I mean, when, as Aguero, we're assuming he's going to be fully fit with that ice pack on his He said he was, wasn't he, when he was asked. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Got a kick on but I, I still like Aguero very much on the edge of that, um, you know, sort of the offside kind of line. And I think that's when he plays his best. And I think for quite a few games, he's not quite been that. He's been a little bit out of position occasionally, and I don't know if that's been a, a plan or if that's just where he's ended up. But I do like him very much on that um, offside line and I do want to see him ahead because I also think, again, it, it's, um, it's it's sort of a message to that team that we're full on attack and we're full on going in. And with KDB there in the middle anyway, you know, of that of the sort of the front of the, the, the forwarding players and the way he can feed and pass that ball around, hopefully that'll be terrifying enough and he'll just feed straight to Aguero's feet not necessarily Sterling on the pitch to start, but obviously on the subs bench. Um, and I, I like the idea of confusing them. I'm with you totally on that. Mix it up. Give them something to think about. Mm. So Jesus and Aguero start. You Why not? <laughs> I was betting on which, which, and it's a very, very difficult bet to have on what team he will pick. 
I actually think he'll pick Gundogan and Rodri, and I don't think he'll pick Jesus or Aguero. Um, I think he'll he'll try and just have a lot of midfielders to try to squash their creativity. Uh, Real Madrid uh, didn't impress me at all with their creativity over at the Santiago Bernabeu. I thought they were poor. Um, I, th- I thought as good as the result it was, and I explained before that as a result, winning it, winning over there at Real Madrid is right up there. As, as but in, if you really, really, I accept that if you really, really analyse it. Um, it was as much about Real Madrid not being very good mm. as actually City being great. I still loved it, and it was still great to go and win there. So I'm assuming that Real Madrid are not suddenly going to be a lot better. We might see Bale involved. I'd be very surprised if Bale doesn't start the game. Um, it's Zinedine Zidane's sort of last throw of the dice, really. So he's going to go for it. So um, I, I, mean, I can see like a triangle. I see three key players in that game, and I see Zinchenko. And the back moving up forward the way he does. I can see Walker doing exactly what he's been doing well, all this season as well. The box. And they'll and the speed and the way they can move up the wing and pass and get it back and keep moving forward with Kevin in the middle. That's so the don't forget, don't forget. One of the reasons why I think he should play two two up front is no Sergio Ramos. Let's remember mm, what we're playing against. Yeah. And I think is it exactly. Marcello's gone? He's uh, injured today. Oh, yeah. So so I think there's another seasoned pro not available so suddenly they've got to look at what they've got to counter so why on earth would you give them an easy ride so on that basis you're going to be optimistic about that game aren't you i think we, if we if we're defensive i'll be pessimistic i think we've got to go for it i think it's not a question of uh got them on the rack you know you couldn't have it in a better place you've got you've got your away goals you've got a goal lead the captain's not even playing and we should have the guts to go for it yeah we're at home on the back of a dive. Where's Adam in, in terms of optimism? Uh, uh, my optimism's well and truly there, even though I said I'd well, I set up to contain them. Um, I, I think I think we'll go through personally. I'm, I mean, I'm going to jinx it now, like, but um, <laughs> I think I think we're a better team than them. I think without Ramos, there's certainly nowhere near as good defensively. He's their leader everywhere, and he pulls out goals out of his backside, doesn't he? Uh, scores wherever as well. So that is an absolute massive loss. Um, you could argue that it was probably more important for him to get sent off than it would have been for us to even get another goal, for example. Um, it, it'll be a massive loss for them. Um, even though I'm optimistic, and I do think we will go through, I think that we... I think Guardiola has shown signs over the last couple of years of knowing when he needs to tone down his let's all go for it and attack, attack, attack mentality. He's done it at Anfield a couple of times. He's shown it at the Bernabeu. And I think he'll have learnt from Monaco and Tottenham. And I think he just needs to calm down a little bit sometimes. And I think, I think he will. Um, and that's why I think we'll go through, because I think we'll, we'll manage the game well. We will get our chances, and I think we'll score. Um, but I also think that there's a lot less chance of them scoring if we, if we do control the game in, in a way that I think we will. Final word goes to uh, Louisa. What would you like me to say? Well, you're usually optimistic. <laughs> you're usually optimistic. So yeah, your glass I'm, I'm, I'm very confident we're at home, which is home advantage. Um, I so don't, despite losing the derby, there is an overwhelming feeling here of optimism. I think because we lost the derby, I think we'll be even more a bit of a... That's, that'll put them into check. I think they'll be thinking, oh, hang on, we, we, we slipped up there. Because it's a derby. doesn't matter about where we are in the league. We have just lost a derby. That's huge for Manchester City Football Club. We are not going to lose this game against Madrid. 
Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, for sponsoring the podcast. Really appreciate that. And remember, if you have a look at their website, there's a phone number on there. Contact them if you, friends, family, business-wise, need a mortgage or need some advice. If you don't find it actually on the website, give them a bell. They'll try and help you. Thanks very much to Tameside Radio for being the home for the podcast tonight. The next podcast will be recorded next Sunday evening as we play Burnley on the Saturday. Um, And Paul Lake, uh, former City player, has said that he will come down and be our guest in the studio. So it will be Paul, myself and two other members of the Forever uh, Forever Blue podcast team. So that's a good one to look out for. Will's on his holidays, uh, so he'll be missing. (laughs) We'll have to get a separate... I'll have to get a camera on Paul to see what he has to say. Get a cardboard Uh, cut out of Will just so he's in the car. We only always have a cardboard cut out of Will. He's not really here. He's not really here. Uh, Right, Okay. thanks very much. Um, Obviously, don't let um, anybody get you down. Wear your colours with pride. Um, We're still blues, and as I always say, it's great to be a blue.